Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Brett Freeman. Hey guys. Zach Cody. Hey, hey, hey. And Matt Carey from the Midwest Scrub Podcast. Hey, how's everybody going? Glad to be here. Cool. Alright, so we got a fun episode for you guys. I know we've been talking about it for a bit, that we would have... Matt come on to talk about some bidding nonsense. Uh, we'll see what everyone has to think about that. Uh, but right off the bat, let's do any shout-outs. Um, do any of you guys have any shout-outs you want to throw out this week? I want to give a shout-out to local legend Ted Trainee, who's on his way to Las Vegas as we speak. Yeah, definitely shout-out to Ted and uh, Mike Doe. He used to be here. I believe he's going to LVO, so best of luck to you guys. I'm sure you'll be excited when you hear this. Um, cool. All right, so Matt, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, we have to ask this question every time that people come onto the show, but why do you think you're bad at X-Wing? I know you got a good answer for us. Yeah, it, the, the good answer is not a good answer at all. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we kind of had this, uh, kind of have this tradition on our show as well. Whenever we have somebody new on, we ask, you know, why are you a scrub? Well, my answer for mine was uh, I only like to fly good things, which is just an absolutely terrible answer. It's it's not good at all. I, I, I'm good at the game, and I don't know how to – I feel incredibly unhumble saying that, but that's the best answer I got. <laughs> and you, you do kind of have the resume to back it up, right? I mean, yeah. you won like the first big 2.0 tournament, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Gold Squadron Classic, It was that was a, that was a heck of a night. Now I got a question. You say you like to fly the best things. Now, is that something that you do personally where you'll sit and research or do you think you're more of like a uh, like a net lister and then you just take the best thing possible um, that has already been proven? Or like I said, do you do the research? Do you put in the time to figure out what is the best list to bring? Yeah, I would say it's table time research. Uh, I don't think I've ever net listed anything aside from my very first list in first edition. Uh, but it, yeah, it was, it's more of like, oh, I really like flying this ship and it is good. So, and that's, it, that's, I mean, there's no other way that I would have found out that Inquisitors were good at that way. Cause you know, there's no way you could net list at that point. Okay, cool. Um, so let's jump into our news. We had some things drop this week. We were told that at Adepticon, we are getting a special edition Naboo Starfighter. I know this kind of got some slack in the past, but. I know they also said anyone that is participating in the system of an Adepticon, they will have one set aside for you so you don't have to scurry off and get one or anything like that. And they also said that they will be made available on the FFG website after Adepticon, I believe. I don't remember the exact date, but this is pretty cool. I mean, I'm glad that they're kind of doing this alt art ship, basically. Um, This is the third one they've done now. So, I mean, I enjoy them. I've always thought that it's never been a problem it's a cool thing but it, like it's something that doesn't ever affect the game it's just something that you know is a little bit of flair for going and participating at their events um do you do you guys think i mean i think it's pretty cool i i like that they you know kind of introduce some some swag uh you know incentives to go to this i mean i'm not going to be at adepticon but i'm certainly going to be on the website trying to order one as soon as i can um, I mean, it, it's kind of just like the plow ship, right? Like, it's it's cool if you have it, but like you said, it gives you absolutely no advantage whatsoever. Except people might say, "Oh, where'd you get that? That's really nice." Yeah, I'm I'm definitely like I totally think it's cool that they they have this swag, and I understand the complaints of oh, I can't I can't go there, but uh, then also I see the 
you know, and I don't want to pay 200 bucks on eBay to get it. So it's nice that they're providing the avenue to get it. But I also understood, like, I spent plenty of money to go to Worlds, and I just happened to get a Plo Koon because I was there. So, you know, but I, I, I'm glad that they're they're setting this aside so multiple people can get it. You know, not just anybody that's in America that can make it to Adepticon, because it really sucks for somebody that's, like, we have, you know, a Worlds winner that's from Singapore. He's probably not going to make it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wish what they would do is that they maybe would have a, a yearly convention ship that actually was just available at all the big uh, conventions um, instead of just having one solely at Adepticon. But I mean, that's really my only complaint is that it's really just a one-time thing and not just a, hey, we want everyone to try and get to at least one convention a year type I, of a system. I like that idea. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the other thing I, I like about these is like, I don't ever paint any of my ships, but like this kind of gives me incentive to like have like a different... Um, like ship than my collection like other than the ones that they did from first edition i guess they said they're not doing the alt schemes anymore after they re-release like they're not doing like the uh the legends packs or anything like that so like i, I think it's cool that they are doing this and putting them out there it's definitely a cool ship I- i'm a fan of it I- i'm like i said from the very get-go i thought it was a cool idea i mean it sucks that not everyone can get it but it's definitely a perk for going to these conventions yeah and it, it looks just really sleek um I don't like the banana color on the regular end ones, yeah. and the silver yeah. one just screams sexy to me. I agree, and I like that they made a Altar Padme card to go along with it, just so you know, if you're flying it, you can, you know, match entirely. Yeah, this is Padme's like version of the Starfighter, right? I'm terrible so, with this stuff. So I thought that this was like a capital ship, kind of like was her silver one, but I don't know. I'm I'm also terrible at that. Jonathan's our <laughs> our lore guy. No pressure, Jonathan. I, I am. Uh. <laughs> I thought it was more Zach. You seem to know everything. All right, so, but yeah, I, I, it's cool that they're doing this. I, I'm a fan, and I know they'll probably sell out as soon as it um, comes out. Uh, so, moving on, the Von Reg tie and Fireball and all the card packs were s- released early from Barnes and Noble. I know this puts a big damper on the community. I know the local game stores; it hurts them a lot. I also know that people are so excited about this stuff that they have to run out to Barnes and Noble and get it. I don't really want to blame Barnes and Noble for this stuff, though. I know, like, as a big retailer, they're probably, you know, people probably already look poorly on that stuff to be like, hey, listen, you know, you should go support your local game store and everything like that. But I think also at the same time that, like, Asmodee probably sends out this stuff to them, or they probably don't even send it to them. They probably get it on their boat with the expected uh, release date. And then when Asmodee changes it, it's not like Barnes and Noble is going to sit there and the, like, just throw this in the back of their you know, storerooms at their local stores, they're probably going to put it on the shelves the day that Asmodee put this out. Like, I, I get it. Like I, like I said, I'm not, I know this hurts the local game stores a lot and that's where everyone goes to plays and you should absolutely support them. But I think at the same time, like people should really be harping on Asmodee and, you know, to a sense FFG that this is still happening. And like, I'm hoping that it changes. They, they told us that they're going to give us a, like more releases with smaller ships and maybe this will fix the problem. And maybe it was these large releases that was really creating the problem. So I have a pretty unpopular opinion about this, right? But we all know that destiny ended um, and people are are getting a little scared. Like, you know, is X-Wing going to be on the chopping block anytime in the near future? Um, And I mean, let's be completely honest. Having a retailer like Barnes and Noble carrying X-Wing is pretty huge for the company. Um, And, if they can show, you know, the targets and Walmarts of the world that, hey, you know, this big re- retailer like Barnes and Noble 
is actually moving a lot of product, even if it's just because they're getting, you know, an early release window, which, you know, might be what's going on. We don't actually know that, you know, what the, the deal is with Barnes & Noble, but they may have a, you know, an exclusive one or two week window of the fact that it's happened twice in a row now. Uh, so, you know, going out and buying stuff from Barnes & Noble, it doesn't support the local game store, but maybe it helps keep X-Wing around for a while. Um, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to split your purchases or something like that. I mean, I don't think any big business really wants to model themselves off Barnes and Noble right now, though, seeing as they're trying to sell themselves off. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's definitely more of a in- indicator than gamers have in as to, you know, what a company should be looking for. Oh, yeah. You definitely bring up a good point, Brett, because uh, you say that, like, the other thing is is not everyone goes to the local game stores to play like i would imagine there's a huge handful of people that play just on their like kitchen table and they might not ever have found the game like i mean i I certainly did not i found the game at barnes and noble just browsing the board game section that's what really got me like caught my eye first and then i went into the uh, game stores section um into the game stores and found you know the huge community so i i think that's that and like i said i just like I, I don't think this is Barnes & Noble's fault. Like, I don't think FFG was purposely like, listen, you know, we, we put the wrong dates. you got to hold this stuff. Like, I, I really just don't see that happening. Yeah, I can't imagine, even uh, like, uh, Andrew, you said that, uh, you know, maybe Asmodee should put more pressure on Amazon. It's like, I don't even know if, uh, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine anybody telling Amazon, or not Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble what to do. You know, it's, it's. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're trying to just keep the relationship. They're not like you need to do things on our terms. They're yeah. like, please just don't drop us on your shelves. Yeah, but I, I and I totally agree. That's like having the having X Wing us on the shelf just brings newer players, and then us veteran players, we can support our friendly local game store. You know, we we know that we want to support the small stores because that's where we go to play. But you know, broaden the audience with a big store. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, and my, I mean, my story is very similar to Andrew. I was walking through Target for years seeing these models, and finally it hit me, and I bought a ton of stuff from, you know, Target or, or Amazon or something before I even knew a game store existed. So just getting the word out is, is the most important thing, I think. So I, I really don't see it as too big of a problem. Right, and, and like you mentioned Amazon, uh, I know just by mistake, but like I know they, back a while ago, they had that relationship with Amazon where they basically told Amazon, like, listen, you can't be dropping this stuff um, at like a, deep discount array because that really hurts the local game stores and amazon kind of just shrugged off man like we don't care and they basically they won't sell it to amazon um after like a certain point i think it's like maybe like four weeks after the release date because they want to make sure that the retailers like the game stores and everything are getting the first dibs with that being said you know i i I still understand like the support your local game store but i i I think getting it out there and like really kind of like it's almost like advertisement, just broadening that spectrum of players that might possibly show up at your game stores uh, to play this game. And then they can exactly what you said. They can uh, support their local game store by us like promoting it from there. All right, let's we had two articles drop. Uh, We had Von Reg's tie and the fireball article. We're not going to get too deep into them because we've all seen the spoiled. Everyone, I'm sure has probably picked up the Fireball and the Von Reich's ties. So we know everything. We saw the articles. We saw the um, the stream with them playing Hollow and everything like that. So we won't get too deep into that. We'll talk about that when we get into our hyperspace stuff. We have store championships right around the corner. We have seen the prizes. Uh, I know some dates are already scheduling their store championships. 
So uh, we don't have any yet that we know of. We're going to keep an eye on as soon as like the stories let us know when they are planning on doing it. We will let you guys know. But on top of that, I think the prizes are super cool. We have more of the cardboard coming out. And I think that's probably one of like the coolest things that have uh, come out with the new stuff, like all like, the new sets. Um, the, one of the things that it doesn't come with, though, is a buy for the Prime Championships, which it always oh. did before. I know Brett, <laughs> Brett totally wouldn't farm these things because you're only allowed one store championship win. Um, but it's interesting that it doesn't come with that. because, And I also think because we know we're getting more than one series of these things. And maybe that's the reason why. We also know that more stores are going to be getting primes. They said it's not going to be as available as it was before. But more prime championships are going to be going out uh, from that old release schedule. Other than that, like I said, as soon as we have more information of when we're getting any kind of prime or not prime store championships in the area, we will let you guys know and we will organize that stuff. On that, the, the prizes though are pretty cool. Like, do we want to talk about those at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned the the cardboard, right? So the the dials and and the markers and stuff. Like Kylo's, for instance, is like just his helmet. Like that's a really cool dial cover. It's kind of similar to like uh, Rasta's uh, like fifty dollar dial covers you can get from from uh, Europe, they have a bunch of plastic cards. It seems like maybe the participation prize is actually going to be a three-card pack um, of some of the First Order ships. Yeah, Everything is First Order here, uh, um, which, you know, if some people love, some people don't love, but it looks like they did a really nice job putting everything together. Sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, it's uh, It looks like it's the Kylo card, Lieutenant LeHughes, and Omega Squadron pilot. Uh, it's a little... Triptych, like they had a, a Death Rain, Scourge Scutu one, and Obsidian Squadron last hyperspace season, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, it's it. I really like that they're doing this for the the store champs. They look really cool. You also have the damage decks in there too. Yeah, that's pretty. Cool. Yeah, they have some damage decks. They have uh, like full art prints. I think. Um, yep. Like it's it's and, a much bigger kit than you normally would get. And there's a championship coin, which is cool too. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's not really clear from the picture if it's like a dime or if it's like a full challenge size coin. But uh, I mean, either way, I'm That's sure it's going to look really nice. About the size of a dial cover. It'll be interesting to see. On that note, uh, we have a little bit of news this way. We are organizing a basically our ranking system. Um, I know if you're listening to this and you're outside of the Philadelphia area, I'm sorry. But inside the Philadelphia area, we have organized a basically like an LO ranking system where. It's basically going to rank every single one of your matches. You're going to have a rank that we're going to post after every tournament in the area. I think the Gamers Heaven one just passed last weekend, and we actually have the rankings up for that. We didn't post them yet. We're, we're going to post them probably right after we air this episode. And then the next tournament that we have is on February 8th at Showcase Comics. So that's going to be another ranking system. And we'll probably, at the end of the season, we're probably going to do it from the beginning of each points adjustment to the end of each points adjustment. So we're basically going to like do it from then. And then we're going to have some cool prizes. I believe we're working on the prizes right now. I know we're, I think top prize right now, we're thinking of doing a template tray um, with it. We'll probably have some like cool ranks to throw out there. But like, like I said, it's a little bit different because like, even if you have like a bad tournament day or anything like that, you could like then have like a good tournament day and like raise your rank. So like, even if you don't win or lose, um, or every single game or week, you still have a shot at this. Um, participation is a big thing. The more you participate in, in these tournaments, the better your rank's going to be because you have more games under your belt. 
So, it, so is this something that's happening every tournament, or, or is it going to be like a once a month, this is the tournament we're going to use for the rankings? I, I think right now we're going to do every tournament that we can. Um, we'll te- this is basically like alpha testing for it, that we're just going to, just every single match, we're going to throw what your rank was as a, to your opponent's rank, who won, who lost, and then it's going to update your rank, like basically live time, and, and go from there. So I think we're just going to do every rank in like the... In the Philadelphia area, from like Gamers Heaven down to Games, uh, what is it, Games Keep down in Westchester? Um, if you are listening and your store wants to participate, or um, you know you're an organizer and you want to kind of throw this into the hat in the area, let us know. Drop us a line, and we can go from there. And then we'll post it to the Liberty Squadron Facebook uh, group, the top ranked um, X-wing players in the area. Um, because I know Brett's itching to try to get that top dog. I'm I'm gonna have to start driving down to Philly every weekend. I should just move there, I guess. <laughs> So, all right. So, Matt, thanks for coming on. I know this little argument started a couple weeks ago. Matt, you think that bidding is fine with the game. And, Brett, you think that bidding is a problem with the game. Am I getting this right? Uh, Mostly true. Okay. I'll say 90% true on my end. All right. So, I'm going to give everyone, each of you guys, the floor for um, a couple minutes. Brett, why don't you take it first, and then I'll let Matt uh, chime back. Sure. Um, I personally think bidding is one of in X-Wing um, because I think the system just creates far too strong of an incentive to take a ridiculously large bid. Um, normally, you know, there's a tr- for, for any type of, of choice you're going to make in X-Wing, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, there's an opportunity cost or I'm, you know, potentially not going to be able to, to have to have the ships I want, I'm going to have to go down to maybe a generic or something like that. Bidding, though, seems to have almost no downside, except for the fact that you're not using all of your points. But many times, it's really not a problem. Um, and there's so much upside. So the, the first thing, obviously, is the person with the bigger bid gets to, to choose who is going to be the first player. Um, and as we all know, being the second player, if you're flying any type of AC ship, just creates such a huge advantage. You get, uh, you know, perfect board state knowledge for your repositions, um, and you're able to art dodge with so much uh, effectiveness that you may be able to just completely avoid being shot. And obviously, not rolling green dice is always better than rolling green dice. Um, so that's that's number one, is it creates a huge advantage. If that was the only thing, though, if you could just move decide you were going to move last, I think that would be fine. But bids also create untouchable points, which gets us a lot back to the the first edition point fortress um, system, right? Where I I flew 100 point Miranda all the time, right? Miranda wasn't obviously worth 100 points, but she's the only ship in the list that really mattered. She was worth a ton of points, and I just needed to keep her alive. That was my win condition. Bids do almost the same type of thing, except they have two extra advantages. First, those points can never be lost as half points uh, like we currently have in, in second edition, which is one of the best changes, right? Was that every ship now could be half pointed. The only thing that can't are your bids. So if you have, let's say a 10 point bid, uh, that is never going to go down to five points. You might lose it all. If you, if you get tabled and you, you know, you lose all of your ships, but you've lost the game at that point. So it, it really doesn't matter at all. Um, what also is important, though, is that those points are, are kind of transferable when you're looking at win conditions, right? If I'm running a list, if I have a Suntir, Vader, and Duchess, and I have a, a massive bid, which is what you can fit in there, all of a sudden now my Suntir, which is normally like, you know, 
55 points could all of a sudden be worth 65 points or 70 points maybe. Um, and now that ship is worth a lot more than, than other ships. So I have a much easier win condition uh, than I might otherwise have when I only have Suntir on the board, who's kind of a, you know, a filler pocket ace type uh, ship. Um, and let's say Suntir is the one who dies though. Now those points could go to Duchess. Now Duchess is worth, you know, a lot more points than, than she's normally worth. So it creates a much easier and much more fluid win condition. Um, and it, having both of those advantages, I, I, I really hate. I feel like one or the other would be perfect. If we were in a situation where initiative was always done randomly or switched every turn, that, that's one thing. I'd, I'd be fine with the bid then providing that sort of extra point fortress. Or if you always lost the, the bid points at the beginning, which is my preferred method, you take a 10-point bid, that's fine. Your opponent starts with 10 points already scored or even five points already scored. They get half of the, the bid already, and they can get the other half if they destroy everyone. Um, both of those systems would be much more fair. But right now, it seems like it creates much too strong of an incentive to take uh, you know, fewer upgrades, get that bid, and make sure you're moving last. Now, I, I, I listened to, to Matt's podcast, which talks about this, and their response was, yeah, but you're really you know, killing your effectiveness. Right? You want those 200 points because they make your ships better. And to a certain degree, that, that's true. Right, But if I'm listening right now to the, uh, the Duncan Howard uh, crate tape 2, where he's talking about his match with Paul Heaver. Right? And he was flying Grand Inquisitor, Duchess, and Suntir. Um, and I mean, they said at the outset, there's really almost nothing else he would need as far as upgrades go. He could add a missile or something like that to, to Grand Inquisitor, but like, why? It's just not worth it. Um, so sometimes, yes, you want to get that extra effectiveness. Maybe that extra fearless is going to make a huge difference. But with the really AC ships, that bid is almost always worth way more than the extra upgrades you could you could try and squeeze in there. Cool. Um, all right. So, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, if you have, you know, prepared anything or if you want to, you know, rebuttal to what Brett has said, the floor is now yours. Okay, great. Uh, so... Like you said, one of our, our our main arguments is that you are sacrificing upgrades or ships for the different benefit, and that benefit being uh, the points buffer. Like you said, your your remaining ship gains that whatever bid to make it more expen uh, expensive without being expensive, which admittedly can be seen as a downside. But our main argument for that, I I suppose. We, when we're talking about uh, bids being a good, like I said, I 90% agree with, yes, we think bids are good, but our main problem is when it comes to, like, so Dan flies Fenguri. I don't see it as much of a problem with Fenguri because you're flying two ships that can go south very, very quickly, whereas... Uh, like you, you gave the example of Duncan Howard, where he's flying three aces and has, you know, I don't know, he was running somewhere in between a 15 and 20 point bid, if I remember correctly. I think it was is, 17, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which now that's something that we find ridiculous. Ridiculous. If you could, like, I know I flew at Gen Con, there was an 18 point Jedi list. You know, there was an 18 point bid. That's the, that's where we'll seed. We, we completely agreed that that shouldn't be available to happen vader should cost more soon should cost more uh, you shouldn't be able just to be like oh well you know these jedi are fine with 
you know, I can take the R2 off and have my 15 point bid. And like you said, points fortress, you can run away with a Jedi better than any other ship in the game. You shouldn't be able to do that. So definitely see that point on that. You shouldn't be able to fly like in uh, the first season was a, uh, a squad of legend. Those were hyper underpointed uh, uh, ships. You know, Juke was underpointed. Whisper was underpointed. Uh, Redline was underpointed. Soontier was underpointed. That's something FFG should take as a indicator of what points to up. You know, it, it they, you shouldn't be able to run like that. Um, so on that total agreement, but um, on uh, on choosing first player. Um, I, I kind of consider it how like uh, Winston Churchill said, uh, democracy is the worst form of government we have, except when compared to everything else. And I think that's how I view uh, using that to establish first player bid to establish first player, because uh, I don't like the random. If you know, if you just did it to a coin flip or a die roll, that's not as bad, but I, we have done some experimenting with, flipping the uh who's first player and that always comes out incredibly one-sided whoever was uh second player during the initial engagement almost always wins just because of how they get the target locks and they get to move last and then the next turn they become the blocker so it just it it becomes incredibly one-sided so we didn't like that uh, but the i will take the the 50 50 on uh a, a coin flipper role as better than that, but I still think the bid is it's safer Fenguri. Not that you can put much more on Fenguri because you can only put like uh, a torpedo on Fen, and to make it more expensive, you can't exactly put more in there unless you're going to just put in like an escape craft because uh, there's not too many. There's unless they allowed you to have a droid. You know, you can't fit anything in there. Uh, so the, uh, I lost my tra my train of thought. Uh, so uh, do you think like having the bid is basically the upgrade that you're buying with those points or like, yeah, you are definitely buying an upgrade at that point. Cause there's, I mean, even if we're talking about smaller bids, like back when, if you say in pertaining to, to like crack shot, you could have, we'll say, um, uh, Daniel Taylor's uh, top two worlds list. You can run that without uh, four points of crack shot, and it will move last after the other one. And it's just four points, but Daniel Taylor's list is very strong with just those four crack shots, and you take it off, and it's not as strong, but it will have positioning advantage against you know the original list. So you're paying for an upgrade, but... Uh, I, I really think that if things are pointed correctly, you shouldn't be able to run three aces. Uh, the, the main points that we came down to was it's a problem for aces, uh, aces with pre-movement pre repositioning and passive mods. If you have two or more ships that can do those things, that's, that's really rough. You shouldn't be able to do three ships with, you know, uh, passive mods of force typically is what we're talking about, and then pre movement repositioning, which is Whisper, Gurry, 
uh, precog, that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be able to fit that in and then also have a 17-point bid. That's just, it's unfair, and it makes it so much easier to points fortress, especially when it's an, a Jedi or soon tier that can run away pretty effectively, especially when it gets down to like the last 10 minutes of the game. You're like, I'll never catch the ship. I only have two Z95s left or something like that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, and it, it's it, that's not a super big problem because only Republic, Empire, and I guess FO will probably be able to do it sometime in the future once Von Regs gets into circulation. Uh, but hopefully with Republic's R2s, I, I say there are R2s, but it pretty much is their R2 astromech going up to nine. They lost a lot of the bid, so they're they're not as point fortressy, but uh, for me, uh, the but I, I guess another another point that we had for why it's bad, I mean, why having a bid isn't necessarily bad is because you're already starting under the gun by having uh, you typically, especially when it's a two a two ship list, you're already way behind on final salvo. So you're already in, in uh, incentivized to engage. But when if you start like as uh, Brett suggested, uh, say like if you have a 15 point bid, you're already 15 points down. That means that you're 15 points down and you're down on final salvo. I mean, and maybe that's commentary on final salvo, but you start with those two negatives already working against you. You have to be hyper aggressive and you're pigeonholed into a fighting style that maybe doesn't lend itself to your two ship list. So I, I have a couple things that, I, that, you know, to respond to a couple of your points, which I thought made some sense there. Um, the, the final salvo one right, that you made right there at the end, that only ever, though, matters if we're in a tie game, right? Which which can happen occasionally as the, you know, the game progresses. There, sometimes you see a situation where you've both killed 76 points or something like that. But that's, you know, that's not really usually the main concern with Final Salvo. I think it's the initial uh, engagement, right? You know, oh, I have five X-Wings, I have 15 red dice. You have two ships that have three red dice each, you're at six, right? You need to engage me because you're going to lose 75% of the time. If points are being given away at the beginning because of the bid, that initial, oh, you need to engage me situation, it, it's exactly the same thing because now you're just down on points instead of final salvo dice because final salvo dice don't matter in that situation because there is never going to be a zero, zero tie anymore. But, I mean, you're, you're pointing out in you know important things like with Daniel Taylor's list where we're talking about small bids and the effectiveness that those crack shots have you know you have to to make the the cost benefit analysis do i want those four points or do i want the the crack shots and that's a you know a really fair point right i could see the arguments for that list going both ways um and maybe that just you know going to like you said if the points are completely balanced the bid really should be hurting you because you're giving up too much. And we clearly just seem to be in a situation where the points may not still be completely balanced. They certainly weren't in the last season. I think everyone would agree on that. It's too early, I think, right now to, to talk about that. Definitely. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, though, with only two points changes a year, I'm not sure if we're ever going to be in a situation where the points get fully balanced. You know, if, if the points were getting balanced every three months, maybe there would be a time where FFG would catch up, but if we have five years left of the game, that's 10 more points balances only. And they're introducing new content all the time. Um, so, 
I, I don't know. So do you definitely take the position that giving the points away at the beginning uh, just should not be part of the strategy? Because I, I agree with you. I think the being able to pick first player, I, I like that part the most because there are some lists that just really need to to be moving second, to be at their peak effectiveness, right? Like they can move first, you can win with it, but you're much better off moving second with that list. But if I have to give up 15 points to do that, I mean, that makes me think about it a lot. And I, I like having that choice there. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that uh, it, it is an avenue to go. Um, I just, it, it just seems like a, I don't know if, the, if there's, if you, maybe started with half of those points. I, I, I just don't see it as a positive move because you, you put one person, one person's automatically losing at the beginning of the game. I don't want to bring up four star vipers, but four star vipers say uh, you're, you're forcing, they could potentially fortress in the corner, which isn't, you know, strictly allowed. Uh, I know that's, it's been, it can be ruled different ways, but um most of the marshals have said that we, they wouldn't allow it, but if they take all their crack shots off, they have a four, or they have all their crack shots on, and it came across another list that was one point down. They could literally just sit in, you know, in a general area and wait for somebody to come to them because they will always have the better engagement. I don't know. It. 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 It, yeah, I, it's definitely I, not I, a perfect solution. I agree. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I mean maybe there's ways to come up with it, right? Like any points you have over ten get awarded to the other player. So that way it leaves open the possibility of the crack shot, you know, situation we're talking about, but really dis- discourages the 17 point bids or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there's some way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I agree. It, it, I think, it, I think we both agree on the point that it's, it just seems to be that um, some, some ships, like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to point out Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan only one up one point, And it's like, he is, far too fantastic a buy for only to be, you know, that one point increase. Uh, so it, it, it just seems like, and maybe uh, with the generics being incredibly cheap now that will balance him out in a certain way. And we'll have to see how the meta shakes out in that. I know you said that, Brett. Uh, so, and I agree that you, you know, you can't fix hyper bidding if you don't, if you only do the points change every six months, but then I worry, like, uh, you know, our podcast is, you know, has our beloved Guri, and she pretty much needs to go last. And if she doesn't, she's just her effectiveness drops. Like if you look at uh, advanced targeting computer, like her effectiveness drops like 40 or 50 percent if she moves second. So it's it, there's there's no other ship that it does drastically affect the game. And if you also do that it, it scum doesn't have too many good aces it's like we have a couple of nice sixes and maybe dangar will be viable now who knows uh, he, he seems okay but uh if they want to run a pure ace list they're pretty much running to uh either running two ships or running to 200 points there's there's no real in between if you want an actual ace so I, I would like to at least be able to run a full ace with like at least a four point bid. So I, I wouldn't have to be, you know, as dramatic as that. Like if, if Gary Fenn could run at a 10 point bid, that'd be fine. I would put afterburners on Fenn all day long if I could and just, you know, drop that points on bid. But I don't know. It, 
it, it gets awkward when you get to those scenarios where, like with Gurry Finn, it's, you literally cannot add more uh, more points to it unless you take a superfluous uh, torpedo on Fen because he typically you would rather have you know do his focus reposition instead of target lock. So I, I don't know. It, 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 so I don't know. It, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I definitely see, like, both sides of this argument. Like, I think, like, bidding is a place in the game. And I know FFG has said that they definitely have taken a look at the process itself. And uh, they are thinking of, like, the best possible um, way to do it. And, like, we haven't heard anything since then. Uh, that was a couple months ago. So maybe they think that, you know, after testing all these other things, this this could be the best way to do it. But the other end of it, like, I absolutely see that, like, if something can bid 16, 17 points and still be able to perform at the high levels, even in the hands of Duncan, which, you know, everyone yeah. knows is a bit skewed, but um, then it really kind of is interesting. Why didn't those ships go up? Like, okay, like, Obi-Wan, yeah, went up only one point, but I also know, like, I mean, with R2 Astromech going up, Obi-Wan probably went up about three <laughs> points, four points. Um, so uh, I, I definitely think I see both sides of the argument here. It, it's something that I, I think has always been a problem with the game. Um, and like just playing a game the other day where it was kind of like, I had a Z95 and a Seek against a one whole Kylo. Like they were both full and I had a one whole Kylo and guess who won? Um, excuse me. He still had three holes. Okay. I'm adding dramatic effect, Zach. But never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> More to the point, like imagine that being your whole entire list from the get-go. That you have no control over that, and, and, and there's certain engagements. And like I, I get what you're saying, absolutely. That you know the pressure is on for you to engage. But I've seen way too many times that there is only that time where they engage, they take the points that they need. And then they are the most defensive player in the game, and it's it isn't even a game at that point. I think. Um, granted, I, I think the second edition has helped balance that a lot with uh, removing a lot of the cards from first edition, with adding half points on both sides, um, with the large and small base ships. Uh, I think they've done a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see if FFG actually ever does change this. Like I said. With them not putting Soontir up or Vader up, which we or the Inquisitor, we, we know that they're like the real big culprits of this. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the direction that FFG wants us to play the game. What I'm what I'm hoping, it, well, and I'm I'm guessing their methodology. What it looks like their methodology is is we're just going to put the ability to for you to throw a lot more generics onto the board to where it's going to be a whole lot harder to fly aces. And maybe that is the panacea we need. I, I, I'm not particularly fond of that idea, but you know, maybe it is great. Uh, I'm, I'm free to. I, I'm, I'm fine with living in that meta for six months to see it as the trial period, as to whether this will work. Absolutely, and I know we we talked about this on our previous episodes that we're thinking maybe this is the power level that they want you know soon to Invader to be, and they just are going to try to bring everything up to that power level. And maybe that will work. Maybe it won't. Maybe we'll see in six months when they do give us the point change. 
And so one other thing too, which is not a reason to change bids at all, but I do find that what ends up getting dropped most of the time are like the really cool cards. Like I would love to have the points to run R2A6 and like some of those cool astromechs that the the Jedi get. It's just, I'm always like, "Eh, I probably just want the six point bid even more. We're missing out on some of the cooler cards that, that they come out with. Fair point. Fair point. Yep. I, and I love R two A six. He's great. Yeah, uh, we have some experience with R two A six. Um. So, all right, well, let's wrap up. Yes, yeah, Zach. We know. <laughs> yeah, and, and one more thing. Is, right, again, I'm I'm being very critical, but I'm a complete hypocrite because I run massive bids. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm very aware. I'm very aware that I sound hypocritical right now. I mean, you find what's broken, you complain about, it, and then you bring it because you want to win. Um, so, I mean, I think you're both on the same page. I think you both have valid points. Uh, you know, you're both not too far from each other. Um, but I, I still think, you know, it, it's the game that FFG wants us to play at the moment. Maybe things will change in six months. Let's say soon Tier Vader, uh, Inquisitor continue to dominate things or dominate things even more. Maybe they'll see the points increase then. Um, but it, it was really interesting seeing this points adjustment that come around this time. Uh, we'll put a poll. Andrew- yep. Oh, go ahead. Finish. No, go ahead. No, it's going to, I mean, I think we're, it's a complicated topic and there's several different things going on, such as um, the value of being second player. Uh, And then you're talking about points for, um, Brett was talking about points. And then uh, how Matt was talking about having things be appropriately costed makes it a very complicated issue because in a way we're all talking about bids, but sometimes we're talking about different parts of bids whether it's like the power of being second player the power of double repositioning or the power of points fortressing. And I think I've heard a lot of people in the past say you're like buying a upgrade, like your bid is like a 10 point upgrade to your list, but it's very hard to like when sometimes that 10 point upgrade is vital and then sometimes it's useless. You know what I mean? Like if you bring a 15 point bid and then you run into Duncan Howard and he has a 17 point bid, then your 15 point bid is useless. And then somehow you're like, we're balancing bids through the meta, if that makes sense. The idea that you're taking a risk, taking, bringing a bid that you're going to run into a list where, because you can run into a list where your bid is useless. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, I, I, again, with the appropriate costing and what, what Brett's saying is like R2A6, you, you could take it and it'd be great, but you know, at least when you're not taking that or taking an R2, it is it has actually a sacrifice when you don't have you know a Jedi with regen. When he's running away, he's just getting forced. He's not getting force and shields. And I, that's the kind of sacrifices I want to see made. And I don't feel like if you look at Empire they don't really have to make those sacrifices. It's like, do I take targeting computer on suit tier or do I not take it? You know, it, that's not a huge choice because he's really good with both, especially when it's in the hands of Duncan. But uh, yeah, like the, the choices for Vader are FCS or passive sensors. That's a one point difference and it's not a whole lot. He, Empire's not really making choices there. They're just kind of, you know, just like ah, we're we're fine with our. We still have a fifteen point bid, even with every upgrade that we want. Whereas Jedi, at least, have to make a choice. And then, um, one other thing, you know, in the in the meta in general, it, you know, certainly some lists are going to be better than others, and some lists will have poor matchups. But you don't really want a meta where 
like you don't want to sit down at a match and be like, oh, you know, you already lost. So you don't want it to be too much of a rock, paper, scissors. You want like any matchup. You want to sit down and be like, at least have a, even if it's a bad matchup, you want to think, oh, I have a 35%, 40% chance of winning this. But there are some ace matchups where you lose the bid and you sit down and you know that you cannot win. And that must, I, that doesn't happen to me because I usually just spend up to 200, but I imagine that must feel bad to sit down as an ace player against another ace list and know that you just can't win. It sucks. It you know, because that's like that's like a hard counter. Like sit down to a hard counter, kind of like sitting down and see, like the opponent has like four TLT Y wings and you brought something that just gets eaten by TLT. You know, that we just feel bad. And I, I don't know what TLT is. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> I've forgotten all about it. You know, I mean, you know, we don't want hard counters in the game, like too hard. You know bad matchups are okay but they don't they shouldn't be disastrous you don't want to sit down and lose in the list building phase so it just yeah. must feel bad to like sit down and be like your boba your uh fat your boba guri is has a one point bigger bid than mine and then and then know that you just can't win yeah that was uh like when squad of legend was around it was there was uh you know the the normal 15 15 point bid one but then somebody would take predator off and they would have the bid and they would automatically win that was pretty much how. Yeah, I think these are all very good points. Uh, and Jonathan, you kind of hit it right on the head that it's a very, very complicated matter. There's like so many different aspects to this. Um, even though we say that there would be different ends of the spectrum, I think we are all on the same page. There's different mechanics of this that I think we both agree on and we might also disagree on. I think we'll, we'll probably throw out like a poll just to see if, you know, what people think could fix this if they think it's even a problem at all um and then we'll, we'll go we'll revisit the results at a later time um but i think like i said it, it's something that people have complained about enough about and i know ffg is aware of it so we'll see if it ever is addressed in the future um along their end so i, I know we've we've seen tournament rules be changed in the past so it, it's not crazy that we won't see it in the future um, all right, any final thoughts on this before we move on? Okay, um, we're going to jump into, we're going to start like breaking down hyperspace metas, what we think is going to perform, what we're anticipating on seeing. Um, we're going to start off with Scum this week. And Matt, I, I heard you guys have a little bit of a contest going on, if you want to plug that. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, plug it. It's uh, the Midwest Scrubs Jump. 5,000 challenge presented to you by Matt Carey. Uh, so I was very fond of the Jumpmaster in first edition post all the nerfs, you know, no torpedo or no astromech slot and just what, what all the things that it got knocked down with. I didn't, I didn't even get to fly him, so I don't know what it was. So um, I just flew Dangar after that and I loved it. I thought it was a very fun ship to fly and I rarely ever came across it. I think I flew against like four or five jump masters. So it had gotten nerfed down to where it needed to be. And then in second edition, it's been kind of notoriously bad. So now that they've added the cannon slot to the front and now it has a gunner and now it's even cheaper and the title's cheaper. Uh, I am putting out a challenge to anybody around the world. I'm going to say for the next six months till the next points change, if you win a major tournament, and that's primes, grands, system opens, 
basically you have to be above store champ and hyperspace uh you know a major tournament if you win it and you have a jump master in your list i will give you a custom set of midwest scrub templates that have you know a jump master on it and it will also have a template case and yeah so probably i'm thinking somewhere between like a 65 70 dollar value and uh yeah i just i want to see it do well so uh have at it people get it done Andrew, you must be excited about that. I was muted. Um, okay, yeah. Um, I, the Jump Master has always been one of my favorite ships. Um, I messed around with it a lot in second edition, just doing tests. Brett, you even saw me. I almost brought it to Nova and put it on the table, and I literally switched that to last second. But um, I all right. So let's start off right in there. Uh, we're talking about hyperspace for the next couple couple weeks. Uh, Scum is, I'm not going to lie, I will put money on this, that Scum is probably going to be in the top two performing in hyperspace. I absolutely see that, and I don't, okay, so I'm not big on Dengar still, I I mean, he's going to be 58 points with the title, 60 with Contraband Cybernetics, you could absolutely just throw an Ion Cannon on him, he's a I-6 cheap filler ship. But he dies and he can't turn around and you can L3 is not in hyperspace so you can't even try to get the blue banks. I know some people are really anticipating seeing Dengar in hyperspace and uh, putting him on the table again. But I just don't see it. Like I mean, there's it's so easy to get around this guy. It's real easy to just blow him up. And when he's firing back, he's not doing a lot of damage because the mods aren't there. I mean, if you want to throw a maul on him, that's 12 points, and then you're hitting the point that you're like, you know, that you were before this. Um, so I, I don't see this happening. I do see Nomlom happening, and, and I know a lot of people at first were kind of like, no, you know, that that's such a silly ship. I absolutely think Nomlom's going to make an impact in the hyperspace world. Um, he's 38 points. He's cheaper than the, the generic Jumpmaster. Uh, how that happened, I don't know. Um, his ability is great against aces. Um, I mean, granted, there's going to be some misdirection that they might be able to... He's not going to be unkillable, absolutely. But he can still dish out a lot of damage. Um, 44 points if you throw Dengar Gunner on him. Like, uh, it's that's some pretty good... And Dengar Gunner seems like almost an auto-include there, right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, w- with that being said, though, I- I'm building some lists if i ever like am like sitting around like the 40 50 point range i definitely think that nomlom is going to be my go-to filler i'm not building lists around dengar i don't think that's a thing that you should be doing um i know brett you had a good run with dengar and the two igs which seems fun but uh, like i said in hyperspace he's still just like it, it has nothing to do with the amount of points he has I, I think it's just that chassis if you come across an ace then you're like you're going to die to it like he's not going to shoot you he's going to avoid you and then as soon as you can't turn around that's when he's going to take you know the the shots that he needs um right and i'm sorry no Um, the the lack of mods is really the problem right like the ig list i have is certainly not a a great list by any means but it's it's fun to bring to like a monthly tournament but what's nice about it is you can have four calculate tokens potentially and get the mods that you need for both shots and for defense. And that's really his biggest problem, it seems, is like he does just die without mods very quickly, um, or he hits for, for nothing. So you're definitely right on with that, in my opinion. 
Right. And, and like I said, I mean, like 60 points, I know is still pretty cheap. But I, like I said, I, I think it's still I mean, like I've tested this thing to the point of, you know, don't put the title on them. Don't do this. You know, after I pass them, turn the arc. It, it just becomes too expensive. And, and like I said, it, it just it does. It hits like a wet noodle when, you know, you hit that point. And, and I, I don't think it's worth it at the moment. Like I said, my big thing is nom lom. Um I'm all in on that. Uh, do you guys have anything? Do you, would you agree? Oh, just talking jump master related. In hyperspace, I'm. I definitely yes, think not. hyperspace. Okay. That's all we're talking yeah. about. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah, hyperspace only. That's it's nom lumen plus dingar. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So with that being said, uh, you know they pulled Guri out of hyperspace. R.I.P. They pulled the dumb falcon that did no damage either I, I know some people have had success with it but I, I don't think that was a decent ship for hyperspace but you know we have the seeks which i'm huge on sunny bounder um it's a fun ship to fly even though it's may not be the best ship but I, the thing that i think is really going to push these thing is the fang fighters i know i've you've probably heard me talk about it a lot but Whenever, like, you're, we're going to see swarms in hyperspace. We're going to see um, uh, just a lot of generics in hyperspace. And the one thing that these are going to provide are those defensive mods that you're not going to get anywhere else. They're going to be getting that range one, and they have a great job of staying there. They have a lot of them can take fearless. I mean, you can mess around with four fearless skulls uh, at all I four. That's going to be basically an ace to a lot of these lists out there, especially with the limited card pool. Like, granted, there's still going to be a lot of I-5s out there, but there's going to be all those swarms that are probably going to be sitting at threes and twos and ones, and they're just going to destroy them. They're When they are going to get shot at, they're, you know, they will have the Concordia face-off uh, and the Fearless at the range one. So I definitely think that is going to be a staple in this meta. Um they like I said earlier, they did take out Guri, but you know we still had we from Worlds we had that Fen Boba list going around. Maul's still in hyperspace, so you could literally just throw Fen Boba into a list and have a good time. Uh, Matt, you you know you guys are big on uh, Guri over there. Did you have you guys looked at the Fen Boba list at all that was going around? Yeah, I, I think uh, I actually think that's the the strongest scum list is Fenboba, um, and I think that actually might be what uh, Dan the Midwest Scrub is going to fly because you know he's, his, his, little, his his girl Curry is gone. So uh, and you know he's already got a handle of Fen, and we used to fly fly Boba Gurry, so he's got a handle on Boba, and that's where he's going to go against. Um, I just in Boba, you know we're going to see a lot of generics and Boba thrives when there's a lot of ships, you know, range one. So I, I think Boba with Maul is just fantastic. He's, he's really good. And with the way that, you know, Han Gunner, it did go down, but it, I don't think it's in hyperspace anyway. So yeah, Maul is the right choice. So he's, he's I, really good. I think Han might be in hyperspace, but I don't think the Marauder titles in hyperspace anymore. Yeah, Mar- uh, Marauder so, yeah. is definitely not. And what's nice about this is if you go land on upgrades, you can have like a thirty-one point bid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So like, and I know like people have been posting like a lot of these. So Zach, are you still with us? He might have dipped out. I know he wasn't feeling well, but I know. I'm still here. Oh, you're Slayer. So I know a lot of people are looking at these Ace Plus Swarmless or Ace Plus Generic lists. 
And uh, one of the things that I worry about me is if you're not bringing something with, uh, like, crack shot on them, then, like, you're not going to get the mods, and then it's going to turn into a game of my dice. And like I said, with this list, it's kind of like you got Fen, you know, Fen at range one with Concordia essentially knocks out your, um, your, your range bonus from range one. And Boba with Maul, like, you're going to have mods for days. Uh, Zach, what do you think about this? Like, with the Ace Plus Swarm in hyperspace, do, do you think that's going to be a problem with not having Crackshot? Oh, wait, uh, Crackshot? Uh, is Crackshot in hyperspace? No, Crackshot's not. Correct. not. Right, right. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it'll be a problem, but remains to be seen. I think it's a bigger problem elsewhere. Which we'll get to on a different show. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. But for here, no, I think. No, I think like we've hit a lot of like the big points. Like Boba thrives if like a bunch of generics come into the meta. Then he just sits in all the rerolls and is super happy. And Fen sits at range one and evades everything. And it's the cat amongst the pigeons. What I'm liking a little bit more than Boba Fen personally is Boba and Two Fearless Skulls. Yeah, That just gives me a little bit more punch. Then you can even fit Perceptive or Maul or I think it's like Perceptive and Fearless on Boba. So you just have three Fearless ships that all just want to sit at range one and wreck face. That's probably where I'm looking closest. Yeah, I mean, I think the options are out there. And, like, I know we're all sitting here talking about Boba, but, Zach, you brought Boba Kath, or not Boba Kath, Boba, Boba Kashka to Nova, and you did pretty well with it. Um, I, I, I think, guess you could say I did well with it. <laughs> I think we're missing out on some of these, like, other uh, fire sprays that we might not be looking at right now. Uh, do you think the same, or do you think the... I mean, obviously, Costco, you can throw Perceptive on there. Or do you think Boba's the way to go? With the... I think Boba's, Boba's the way to go. They gimped a lot of what made Kashka good. Like, there's no Lone Wolf in hyperspace. The Marauder title's not in hyperspace. Like, so now she's just getting rerolls off of you being stressed. Eh. Like, and I don't know. If stress really comes back into the meta, but I just don't see that happening. So, no, I think they gimped her, sadly, a little bit lower. I do think it's worth looking at generic fire sprays. They're cheap and effective. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, I think, good filler ships. I think they're overlooked a lot of times. Um, uh, people probably think that they're too much at 62 points even, but, I mean... Two, two agility behind six health with a three dice bow tie. I mean, you, you, it's pretty good there, I would say. It ain't nothing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but, uh, they're my thoughts on Scum. Um. Like I said, I, I definitely think Fen Boba is going to pop up. Um. Bobo with some kind of swarm sitting with him. I mean, I mean, maybe the Seeks are are going to come out with. I mean. Crackshot might not be out there, but let's see. Is Marksmanship still in here? No. Um, so maybe Seeks with Cannons. Uh, we saw that pop up at a Prime Championship down in Florida, I believe. That did pretty well, so maybe that'll come back somehow. Um, 
but like I said, I, the my biggest thing that I'm looking at when I'm building lists in hyperspace are mods. How can I get any kind of passive mod? And honestly, I think this is one of the most efficient ways of doing it is that you have Boba, you have Fearless, you have Concordia Face-Off, and it's going to show. I absolutely... Um, that's going to be my prediction for this season. Do you guys disagree agree? Totally agree. Matt, what do you think about that statement? Um, I, I think, <laughs> like you said, uh, I, I didn't get to comment when you said where you're talking about Sunny, but I think uh, M3As are actually going to be, we're going to see them now, now that they've they've gone down in price. I, I think in like the, the new pilot, Parkour, uh, G4R, G0R, I think it's going to be a great blocker. And so I, I think Scum has a fighting chance now. So we'll, especially with some of the other factions losing a lot of their cool stuff. So Right. And, and I think it's a big thing that some with the other factions losing what they did, I, I definitely think that, like I said, this is going to boost them up a lot. Um, I don't know how I feel about Gargor, or <laughs> however you want to say it. Um, I, I think I, he's got... I'm going to throw out uh, one... Well, I think he's got uh, a talent slot. If he does, throw Intimidation on him, because that's great. And then he... Talking about Fire Sprays, uh, um, Cat Scarlet, like, who's kind of not got a good ability, but with a bunch of generics being able to be thrown out there, she's going to be good because if a generic is touching somebody she's shooting at she gets an extra die so having a four die attack out the front or back is pretty good you know you're kind of a, a lockless proton torpedo at that point you are the new outrider so if you just throw in a bunch of i1 tansari point or no it's cartel spacers yeah that may not be bad so you can throw uh gargor uh and two mining kill dies and two cartel spacers so that's four generics in there with him. Um, I, I don't Cat know. with three zealouses seemed good. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they, they got they got the passive mods and they can block. So yeah. Uh, it, what about Cat with the contracted scout? Oh man, they're for, forty-one points. The bump masters are back. If you could. Uh, you only have five points left over. If you could put through a cannon on them, I would absolutely be in for that. You could throw yeah, a cannon if, on one of them. But um, if auto auto blasters were still two points, it'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Kath might be something to look at. I know one of our locals was definitely looking at Kath a bit, and he was making it work until it, it he got into some of these tougher matchups. But it, it might work in in uh, hyperspace now. Uh, is there any other things that you might be looking at, anyone else might be looking at that we're overlooking at the moment? I'm still just really excited for Fearless Fan and, and Three Zealous and having a six-point bid. So, I, 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 mean, I mean, I was looking at that too, and I, I, one of the things, I know I mentioned this off uh, air, was that I, I was thinking about, again, you don't really need the six-point bid. that You can just throw in two Zealous Recruits and a... Uh, Skull Squadron on I-4, and then, like I said, there's going to be a ton of uh, swarms out there that are sitting in I-1 and I-3 you know, that you could basically just have two aces at this point, you know, dominating things. Um, so th there's a lot of variations, but like I said, th that's my take on everything. And 
you know, if, if I tell you what, if Scum doesn't end up in top two, we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> I don't want to say anything on the air, hot take, and then it ends up in last, and then I have to do something ridiculous. But we'll definitely think of something, and we'll let you guys know next week. Um, all right, so any final thoughts on Scum before we start to close out? Yeah, okay. Cool. Um, again, I know we said the next... Liberty Squadron Tournament is going to be at Showcase Comics at uh, February 8th. Like I said, we're going to be starting that. Well, we started the LO ranking system. We haven't posted anything yet, but that will definitely be one of our first ranked tournaments. Um, like I said, this is all just for fun. We're just, you know, going to get out and, and get the um, gears rolling. It's a hyperspace tournament, so check it out on the Facebook page and everything like that. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great. I'm happy that you you know we have basically the sister podcast that supports us and we we definitely support you guys yeah uh it's great to be on uh yeah you're def you're definitely the the podcast that we uh most closely associate with we uh, (laughs) we've mentioned you i think every podcast that we've had so um and yeah uh if any of you guys want to want to show up i know we're, we're, we're still a baby podcast so we're still figuring out uh people calling in and getting them in on the podcast but uh once we get that hammered down, we'd love to have, you know, you guys on as well. Great. Just let us know. <clears throat> She's like, do you guys all record together in the same place? Yeah. You can tell, you can tell when a podcast does that, you know, I've <laughs> yeah, noticed yeah. you can really tell. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Um, so if you're a fan of the show, check us out on Facebook, check us out on Patreon and check us out in person. Cool. Uh, hey, good gonna... luck, Ted. What? Good luck, Ted. Oh yeah. Good luck, Ted. Good luck, Mike though. Um, hope you guys raise hell. I want to thank you guys for listening and have a great night.